If you have your Bible with you today, or your Bible apps, go with me to the book of Romans, chapter 12. Romans, the 12th chapter. I started a series a few weeks back called Fired Up. And we're going to continue today. Romans chapter 12 and verse 11, if you would notice that passage with me, it reads, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Notice, notice the language is not just serve the Lord, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. It is appropriate, it's correct, it's right, it's God's way that we would serve him with a fervency, all right? Fervently serve the Lord. Uh, let me read this to you from some other translations. Listen to these. Amplified reads, Be aglow and burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. All right? So what we do is ask ourselves the question while we're reading this, does that describe my spiritual life? Am I aglow? Am I burning? Am I fervent? Okay? Uh, NIV, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Spiritual fervor. TLB, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Uh, the Phillips, let us keep the fires of the Spirit burning as we do our work for God. The ERV says, be excited about serving Him. The TPT reads, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward Him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. So this gives us some qualifiers, some descriptors of what our spiritual life is supposed to look like. It's not just serve the Lord any old way you want. No, it's not even just serve the Lord the way you've grown up being taught. No, don't let someone else's model become your standard. What does the scripture say? And it says that we are supposed to serve him with fervency, with heat, with boiling passion. Amen. Amen. Uh, I noticed a couple of these translations use a form of the word keep there. In other words, there must be a maintenance, if you will. I can't have received fire some time back and assume that it's still there. These things wane. They die down. If I don't have uh, behaviors in my life, in my day-to-day, week-to-week, that foster spiritual fire, then that fire is not present. I must actually do things on purpose. I must have spiritual activities in my life that, that create and maintain heat in my spirituality. If I don't, I grow cold. I grow, I, 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 my flame dims down, if you will. It goes out. I could become complacent or spiritually apathetic or even falling asleep. So if there are not purposeful activities in your spiritual life, I'm talking to you. <laughs> And if there are, then, of course, you're fired up just to even think about the subject. Come on. Just checking to see if anyone had been maintaining their flame already. 
Many of you have heard the old saying, if, if, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing well. Yeah, I think that's true about serving God. I think it's true if I'm going to uh, worship, I should just like get it on. If I'm going to pray, I should pray in a way that gets results. If I'm going to be a Christian, I should just be completely a Christian, not half in, half out, right? Riding the fence is not a safe thing to do. I was at Chick-fil-A recently. Why does that get amens? Uh Oh, praise God for that chicken sandwich. (laughs) Eat more cows. Uh, But I saw on the wall, (laughs) I saw on the wall a saying from their founder that said, food is essential to life, therefore make it good. And I thought, well, yeah, that makes sense. If you're going to make food, make good food. If you're going to serve God, do it well. If you're going to have a family, have a good one. You know, if you're, if, whatever you put your hand to, let it be done in a, in a way that is deserving of whatever it is that you do. And if it's not worthy of a full effort, maybe you shouldn't be doing it. In the old covenant, God gave them a word through Moses about how they were to love him. There's an appropriate way to love God. You've heard this, this probably before, uh, but it's Deuteronomy 6, 5. It reads, you shall love the Lord with uh, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Notice he didn't just say, you need to love me, period. He said, this is the way this relationship works. You're going to love me. You do it with everything on the inside. It's not that I just want to serve God. I want to do it with zeal. That's God's way. Amen. Now, of course, in the new covenant, we have even an upgrade from that. It's not all about my strength and my heart. I'm actually anointed by the Spirit of God now. I have him, the helper on the inside of me, to worship and serve him in an effective and appropriate way. The Spirit of God literally enables us to serve God well. So we want to uh, take this thing a step further than just okay, I'm saved, or okay, I'm in the kingdom. Okay, I'm forgiven of my sins. I want to serve God in a way that honors him. I want to do it right. Some of this would be about attitude. And I don't want to reduce spiritual power just to a mental state. But how many know you are spirit, soul, and body? Your soul is a part of your relationship with God. Your soul has to do with how you think and your emotions and how you feel and so forth. So, Uh, attitude, we we can have an attitude that is for success, a successful attitude. I know fired up people think this way. Let me give you some phrases, two word phrases. The first one is, I want. Do you have inside of you an I want? It is an expression of your desire for God. I want this. I tell you, that goes somewhere with him. Not just that I'm going to do it. I want to. Your desire for God. The second one is, I can. I can. This is an essential belief. This comes from a position of faith. It's not, I can't. So many people are, how many are negative? They don't, I want to, but I don't think I can. But when you have an, I want to, and then you have a, I can do it. 
that will carry you somewhere uh, from the inside out. Here's another one. I must. I must. Have you ever had that? You have any of that in you right now? I, I, I must do this. I have to. This is uh, conviction. I like to see a, a believer with conviction. I have to do this. Some of you battled through the weather today and said, ah, ah, I must be here. I must put the Lord first. I must serve God. If there's a way, I'm going to do it because I have this inside of me. Paul, the apostle, said it this way in 1 Corinthians 9, 16. He writes, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. I pray that there's a little bit of that on the inside of you that says, I can't not. I must serve the Lord. Here's another one. I will. I will. I will is our commitment to act. It's very easy to go through life and never really make full commitments to anything of great value. We'll test it out, try it out, put our little toe in the water, but never go all in and never commit saying, I will do this. And then the last one is, these are attitudes for success. Last one is, I get to. I get to. This shows that we know it is a privilege to serve God. Man, not, it's not just about obligation. I get to do this. Oh, I get to worship him. I get to come up before the very throne of God himself and obtain his mercy and grace to help in my time of need. I get to serve him and give and, and help other people. What a privilege. Come on, say it out loud with me. Say, I want, I can, I must, I will, I get to. Come on, that's how we can serve the Lord with, with zeal and fire. We have these compelling motivations that, that work from the inside out. It's not just about action. It's about the inward motive. And it's about inward motivation in how we serve the Lord. Uh, one, one word used in the scripture is the word heartily. Do it heartily. It's hard even to say that word. Look at Colossians chapter 3 with me. Just a short right turn. Colossians chapter 3. Amen. This is, this is one of those verses that is, for a long time has totally resonated with me. It's my motive for doing what I do. Uh, when, when, you know, sometimes people like what you do. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they appreciate it. Sometimes they don't. And, and you have to know how to deal with that. We have to know how to, uh, how am I going to respond when I don't have the accolades and the appreciation around me? What, why am I doing what I do? Okay. Colossians 3.23 reads, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Here's, here's where it comes from. Why do you do what you do? Because it's to him, because it's for him. I do it from the heart, heartily as unto the Lord. If you have an as unto the Lord behind everything you do, your giving, your serving, your worship, your whatever you do in life, come on, it takes it up to a whole nother level. I, I think it's real important that we remember 
number one, who we are serving, number two, why we are doing it, and number three, we remember the time, the urgent element of this. We remember the urgency of the moment. We're in what you might call the two-minute warning of a football game. And their time is running out, and it's, it's get, your, get your game on right now, or it's going to be too late. And if you and I will live with that, I'm serving the Lord, I'm doing this for a purpose, and I'm doing this in a limited amount of time, it will help our attitude and help our motivation to be what it needs to be. Praise God. You know, years ago, I was teaching in uh, one of our healing meetings uh, about speaking to your mountain. Remember Mark eleven twenty three. Jesus taught us to, that we should speak to our own mountain and believe in it would be, be moved. And I was teaching that regarding uh, sickness and disease and those type of things. And it seemed good to me uh, that I should minister to people somewhat typically. I'd lay hands on them like Mark 16, 18 says. Uh, but that also we would do Mark eleven twenty three together. In other words, I told them as they came up, when we come, put my hands on you and I'm going to speak to your problem, whatever that is, what's going on with you, what's wrong with you, I speak to it. I said, and then I want you to speak to it. Not just my voice, but your voice because it's your body. You have authority in your own life. So you speak to your own situation. And so I would, they would. Uh, but one of the things that kind of caught me off guard a little bit, I, I found that most people by my assessment of the situation, didn't normally do that. And the reason I came to that conclusion was because of the, the mousy way that many people did it. In other words, it didn't come from a place of conviction. It didn't sound like someone's in charge here. It didn't sound like the neighborhood cat just ran in the back door. There was no get to them. It was just kind of soft and weak. And, and I thought, ah, I'm not sure these people are doing this because I do this and I know how. When, I, when I'm dealing with evil or death or disease or all those curses, man, I want to be aggressive with it. And I know who's the boss. The Lord left me in charge of my life. Amen. He left you in charge of your life. He gave you his word and his name so you could speak. But what I, again, what I saw is I, I just thought there's a lack of, of conviction. There's a lack of fire when they speak. How do you speak to, the, to your mountain? How do you speak to the obstacles that come? I'm not saying it's all about volume, but sometimes if you really believe it, your voice is going to go up. There's going to be some strength in there. Go to John 11, if you would. Right, let me show you a couple, a couple things over here. John, the 11th chapter, the left turn. If you don't know where these are, that's fine. Get there if you can. If you're on your phone, type it in. John chapter 11. This is the story. I'm just going to read three verses from the whole story. But this story is the account of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Remember, Jesus got word that Lazarus was sick. Come to find out uh, he was already dead. And so Jesus said, well, he's already dead. I'll wait a couple days. <laughs> and when he got there, he had been dead for four days. And, uh, and so that was the scenario. Get there. A loved one has just passed away. Everyone's sad. Everyone's mourning. They're, what in the world? Jesus. And Mary even said, Jesus, if you'd have got here sooner, he wouldn't have died. And so Jesus is dealing with all this sorrow, sadness, darkness, unbelief all around there. 
And everyone's looking at him. Here you go, Jesus. You're the one who just said you were the resurrection and the life. See what you can pull off. And uh, it's interesting how Jesus responds to this, though. In John eleven thirty three. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, her being Mary, uh, the, and the Jews who came with her weeping, so picture the scene, everyone's crying, everyone is all around there weeping. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. I want you to see where this is coming from. This is no light-hearted. This is no, um, you know, bunt. He's groaning inside of him. He is troubled inside. And interesting, the word troubled here means that he troubled himself. In other words, he stirred himself up. Jesus was dealing with this very serious problem. I mean, it might be one thing to get, you know, headache healed. This is a dead raising. <laughs> I'd say it's all the same to God. I know, but we're dealing with people. Even with Jesus, he's functioning as a human being, son of man, right? And so this is a, this is a death here. Four days dead. People crying everywhere. And Jesus is going to raise the person up. It starts deep within. He's groaning. He's stirring himself up from the inside, having to ignore all this stuff out here. And there's that fire in his belly that is going to bring the answer. Okay. Verse 38 reads, um, then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. Uh, it was a cave and a stone lay against it. So Jesus is working from the inside out, that burning fire within. My question is, to, is for you is when things come against you, when you have problems that rise in your life, what is your response? Is it just here? Is it just mental? Is it just emotional? It, it, or, or, or can you dig deep? Can you draw from deep within and stir up spiritual might and power from the Spirit of God that it's going to take to get you over can it take to get you the victory in the situation? In verse 43, uh, it, it says, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He groaned in the spirit. It wasn't just emotional. He stirred himself up. And then with a loud voice, he said, Lazarus, come forth. He said, did he have to be loud? I kind of think because he was, he had to be. I kind of think Jesus knew not only this is needed for the situation, but everyone is watching and this is how you deal with this. It's not, Lazarus, come out of there. <laughs> no, he cried with a loud voice. And my word to you is not everything should be loud and all times we should be loud people. You've sat next to that person on the airplane, right? But there are times when we need to be. There are times when we need to stir ourselves up from the inside and cry out with a loud voice. Frequently in the Old Testament, you read about people praying and they're, they're in great distress and so forth and they would cry out to God and he would hear them. I just find that interesting. Those words are very specific. They would cry out to God and he would hear them. It wasn't just any kind of prayer that got, the, that got a response. It's not a casual request for assistance. How many know a fired up church is not a church 
where emotion is never expressed. I don't mean these things start in the emotional realm. I really believe they're spiritual in, in their origin. But if your spiritual life never has any impact on your emotions, your wood is wet. This should affect us physically. This should affect us emotionally. I'm not talking about just emotional fluff. But I tell you, if we have church and no one ever cries, and if we have church and no one ever laughs, and we have church and no one ever is you know, expressing these things from the very depths of their being, we might be missing it. We might be doing it wrong. Amen. Everybody okay? That's not my personality, Pastor. I'm more reserved. This is not a teaching on personalities. It is irrelevant that your personality, that, that's a soulish thing. It's not driven from that. It's driven from the spirit and comes through it. Amen. Amen. And the most stoic among us express emotion at some times. There are some things that stir us up in life. Amen. Am I right? Too many times it's just negative, negative things. Let's let the Spirit of God move, us, move on us and move through us to the degree that He affects us even on an emotional level. Amen. Now I'm going to give you some how-tos. Okay? How to, how to fire up. All right, I'm going to give you seven. Seven, how to fire up. Number one, number one is revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge. This is one of the things that did it for me. I could tell you a whole story and a whole testimony, but when the word of God came alive to me, it lit a fire on the inside. I'm not talking about just knowledge. There are people that come out of Bible schools and seminaries and they're dead as last year's bird's nest and they are dry and they have a head full of knowledge but they don't have revelation knowledge. We are told to pray. The Ephesians prayers deal with revelation knowledge. If you want this, ask for it. Ask the Lord to unveil, to reveal, to pull the veil back on his word to you and get around good anointed teaching. Amen. When the word of God is taught with the spirit of God, it'll come alive to you. If you'll hunger after these things, I tell you, God will show you so many outstanding truths that it will light you up and you'll say, I've never seen that before. Is that the same Bible I've always had? Is that always been there? Yes, but now you see it. Amen. Revelation knowledge is, it will fire you up. Number two is a word from God. I have discovered that when I hear from him, when I hear his voice, it does something in me and for me that other methods don't do. You need to hear from God. And I'm talking about hearing from him in a setting like this. I'm talking about him hearing from him in your own prayer life. I'm talking about hearing from God through prophecy or tongues and interpretation through other people. Okay? It doesn't matter. We don't always choose the method. But say, Lord, I need to hear from you. I want a word from heaven. You're his. He loves you. You belong to him. He wants to talk to you. And that word in your heart will light you up. 
I tell you, seek a word from God. Number three, number three, how to fire up is pray in the spirit. Simply pray in the spirit. I'm talking about praying in other tongues. I'm talking about this on-demand manifestation that any believer can have from God. I can step into what might be some call the supernatural any time of the day I want to and just let it flow. Amen, amen, amen. There's a fire that comes that way. Remember Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost, when the 120 were filled, had that fire sitting on each one of them, and they spoke with other tongues? Come on, that's the way this works. That fire is connected to your heavenly language. Amen. If you have one, giddy up every day, every single day. Keep the fire burning. If you don't have one yet, we have a class. Go to it. Or you can wait till we do it in a service, but we have a class every, every month about the Holy Spirit, and you can be filled, and you can have this fire inside of you too. Number four, how to fire up. Number four is by faith. Simply by faith. What do I mean by that? Faith is a choice. Faith is a choice we make to just do it. Someone said, I'm not really motivated. Well, why don't you step out in faith? Has anybody ever had a non-motivated day? Like all of us. Has anyone ever come to church thinking, I don't even want to sing? <laughs> I don't want to pray. I don't want to sing. I don't want to take notes. I don't want to look up scriptures. I don't even want to look at the screen. <laughs> We've all been unmotivated before. What do you do when you feel that way? You make a choice and say, I'm going to do this by faith. I'm going to praise God, not because of the way I feel, but because of the way he is. I'm going to serve God from the inside out. Whether I feel it now, I'm, it's, it's irrelevant. I'm just going to do it by faith. Amen. You know, to some degree, you see this. We see this in, in athletics. You ever see sometimes a football team getting ready to, to start the game? And look, listen, they've practiced They've studied the playbook. They've worked out. They're, they have their endurance. They are ready in so many ways. But then the last thing they do is they get together. The whole team stands really close to one another, and they start jumping up and down, and they start yelling, and they start chanting, and they start saying all these things. So what are you guys doing? Didn't you practice? Now, how many know that's not going to make up for the lack of knowledge or the lack of practice or studying or the playbook or anything like that? But you add to your knowledge, you add to your preparation some fire. And now they have a more likely chance of winning. In fact, sometimes you can have a less skilled team with more enthusiasm, with a better attitude, and they will beat a team that's better than them. Because you add these things. And I don't mean to reduce our relationship with God to a, a huddle up and a jump. I mean, maybe we could do that at the beginning of service, you know? <laughs> but I don't, mean to act, I don't mean to imply that adrenaline is the same as the anointing. It's not. And I'm not just seeking a mental excitement. But I'm not discarding it completely either because I am spirit, soul, and body. And my spirit should affect my mind. And my faith sometimes will make me say, you know, even though I don't feel like doing this, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to serve him. Here we go. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> what am I doing? Trying to change him? Nope, just working on me. 
just knowing that I need to stir myself up and my attitude is up to me and the level of excitement. Again, some of those translations we read at the beginning, serve the Lord with enthusiasm, with excitement. Do it that way. It's connected to spiritual fire, but these things must uh, be done by faith. Number five, number five, if you want to get fired up, you should change a life. Be involved in changing someone else's life. There are some things you get by prayer and some things you get by study and some things you get by the laying on of hands and, and all these other methods of ministry. You know, some parts of the fire within us comes when we share the gospel that we've received with someone who hasn't. If you know it, you know it's true. If you've been there, you know it's true. If you don't know it, can I encourage you to get out of your comfort zone and say, I'm not going to remain sleepy. I am not going to remain spiritually apathetic. I'm going to make myself and I'm just going to do this. And there's people around. We'll help you, but get together with someone like the foxes. Tie your tails together and go. Go burn up some fields. And you get out there and do it and watch when that person says, yes, I want to receive the Lord. I want to receive Jesus in my life. And you pray with them. Walking away knowing, oh wow, God just used me to change someone's eternity. Come on, that'll do something in you that sitting in here won't do. This has its part, but that is a key to living a fired up life. Praise God. Number six, number six, if you want to be fired up, I want to challenge you to remember. Remember. Let me, let me, let me say it this way. You will not, you show me a sleepy Christian, you show me someone whose fire has gone down, I'll show you someone who does not remember what God has done for them in the past. I'll show you someone who has forgotten about the answered prayers and the miracles and the provision and the very gift of salvation that they received themselves. Maybe they could say, oh yeah, that happened, but it's not real to them anymore. One of the enemy's strategies, you know what it is? To get us to think about the wrong things and forget about the right things. To get us dwelling on negative circumstances and negative world events and everything that causes us to feel heavy and down and dry and low. And if we will call to mind intentionally what God has done for us in the past and write it down. He did this and he did this and he did this and testify. That's why we constantly share testimonies. Come on now. We want God to be glorified and people to remember that he is active constantly in this house and working to change lives and make things better. And if we will call to our mind those things that he has done before, it'll be sure to light a fire in us and keep it burning hot. Everybody okay? Anybody remember? Come on. If it takes a little bit of work, fine. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I forgot. I forgot a whole bunch of things you, you've done for me. Bring them back to me. Help me to remember. And each time you think of one, write it down, give God praise, sing for an hour about it, call a couple friends. Amen. What are you doing? You're resisting the devil's negative negativity and saying, I'm going to call to mind the work of God in my life. Number seven, I've told you this before, but it was worth putting in the list. And you always know when you're preaching, seven is a good number. <laughs> 
How, does, how, can you, how can you have fire? How can you be fired up? Shout. Shout. What do I mean shout? I mean praise God with a loud voice. There's a time to be still and there's a time to be meditative and contemplative and quiet before the Lord. And there is also a time to lift your voice and praise him loudly with a shout. He is worthy of our praise and it are, there is a need for us to lift our voice at times. Amen. Again, I've said it before, but too many times people in the church have been trained by people who didn't know God the way they should. They think of him as being stoic and unmoving and unemotional. My script, my Bible tells me that God sings and my God laughs, and these are things that he created in us. It's appropriate, and it's right sometimes. I mean, at least once a day, don't you think? That we should shout, and not just praise God, but praise him loud. And it does amazing things for our spiritual life. Amen. There's a few people right now in their mind, they're resisting this. You're saying, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. That's nice, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> well, why not, you proud thing? <laughs> <laughs> You're not shouting to me or anyone else. You're shouting to God Almighty, the one who created you, the one who loves you, the one who sent his only son to die for you. Amen. The one who called you out to be a part of his own special tribe, his family. He deserves your praise. He deserves it to be expressed. Let me give uh, an encouragement to to the men in the house. We guys are often more likely to be reserved in expressing our feelings and our emotions. I relate to you. I am more da-da-da in here than I am anywhere. Right? <laughs> I understand. I'm, I'm contemplative, calculate, calculative, something like that. I understand that. I, I, but there's something about the Spirit of God that makes me change. It's not limited to my personality. Guys, your families need you to serve God out loud. Especially if you have kids in the home still. You know, I say still, I'm speaking from my age. You know, maybe they're just starting. You need to serve God in an outward way and worship him at times and praise God in here and lift your voice. Say, I don't sing well. You're not the only one. (laughs) We don't care. (laughs) There are times we need to serve God this way. We need to lift our voice. We need to serve God with fire. Just because your personality is something or the way it's always been or the church you grew up in didn't do it, I'm not going to let them be my model. I want Jesus to be my model. I want the Word of God to be my guide. This is the right way to serve God, not the way I feel. Amen. And some of the guys said, Amen. <laughs> I'm going I'm to think about that. Ponder that. Let me give you a verse in closing. Jeremiah 20 and verse 9. Jeremiah was a prophet. 
and persecuted, put in prison. Uh, verse 9, then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. My prayer for you today, men and women of all, all shapes and ages and sizes and backgrounds, my prayer is that you would be so touched by the Spirit of God that His Word would be so alive on the inside of you that if you ever think, I'm not going to do this anymore, I'm not going to speak in His name, I'm not going to proclaim Him any longer, that it would burn inside of you and you couldn't hold it back. It would be like fire shut up in your bones and you couldn't help it. Close your eyes with me today for a moment. If you would, just as a symbol, a gesture, open your hands up to the Lord like this. They could be up or down on your lap or wherever. Open your hands up to the Lord as I pray for you. Father, thank you. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you for the fire, fire of God right now.